You're listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live. Today, we are going to talk about the first of hopefully several Ron Howard movies we're going to talk about. Uh, today's movie is Hillbilly Elegy. It is a movie that came out on Netflix starring Glenn Close and Amy Adams. Uh, not in that order, but I guess the order doesn't really matter. This is a movie. There's, they're all over the place. They're characters. Um, this is uh, potentially a nominee for some Oscars later this year, but uh, we will see. Um, we're not entirely sure of what Oscars it could get, and it's hard to say how much of a chance it has. So anyway, there are not really too many spoilers in this movie. There's nothing explicit. Um, this movie is based on true events, but we do mostly stick to talking about the acting, the directing, and the filmmaking rather than the plot at least in any explicit detail. So should be good to uh, consider this a spoiler-free review. Um, So here is a little bit of music from Hillbilly Elegy. This is something composed by Hans Zimmer, interestingly enough. listening to yet another episode of classic movies live uh the show where we talk about the oscars um basically forever at this point because the oscars man what time is it now it is january so that's you know a time on a clock normally by this time we would have we would be very close to hearing uh the oscar nomination nominees uh, I think last week not last week last year they announced them like the second week of february we're not we're still in January, but like mm-hmm. this week, they're not going to announce anything. I think movies are eligible as long as they come out before March and they're not actually announcing the nominees until middle of March, maybe even April. I don't remember when the Oscars even are this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows? They might even, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pushed it back again. I mean, so many, so many movies, I actually like this, just this week, so many movies that were slated to release uh starting in like april and march uh are being pushed back again to to the fall so um, yeah i remember um pretty unpredictable back in march we did an episode on just the state of movies in 2020 and uh, i remember you you were really excited for a quiet place too to come out which <laughs> at that time should have already been out but had gotten yeah it was like literally Christmas. the next week i think yeah the, and then was the day and then it got delayed until Christmas. And then obviously it didn't come out on Christmas. It got delayed until like March. And I think just this week, as of this time, as of the time of this recording, it has been delayed until September. And we'll see yeah, if September. it even comes out in September. Yeah, I, I mean, you never know. And, and that's, it's not just that movie. I think like basically all the summer movies were pushed back, except for like 
I think the Marvel movies, but they're probably waiting to to do that as well. And also, so, like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I know that Marvel is really, really hyped on this phase of their their uh, on this movie phase of theirs. Mm-hmm. But like, I also wouldn't be surprised if they end up sacrificing one of one or two of those to the Disney Plus gods. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be really interesting to find out uh, um, what happens because I. I I, you can tell they really don't want to. They've 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 already sacrificed a Disney a live action movie and a Pixar movie, but they really don't want to sacrifice a Marvel movie unless they really have to. So um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're gonna find out, and probably in the next couple of weeks, actually, if Black Widow is actually gonna come out in May, um, yeah, or if it's was... pushed back or put onto Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. I think Black Widow is one that they would. I feel like Black Widow is something that like the people involved would rather die than put that on Disney plus. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, it's, there's just so much more than like, cause it, it's like black widows, black widow has been waiting for a movie for the past. I mean, it's been 12 years now since she was introduced. Right. Yeah. So it would kind of be a little like, I, I understand if they wanted to put it on a streaming service because of the circumstances, but I mean, like I would feel I feel like they don't want to uh, piss off Scarlett Johansson. Um, I mean, and also I feel like it's a kind of a symbolic like uh, toss aside if they were to put it straight to streaming service, you know? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm calling it now. If any Marvel movie goes straight to a streaming service of the next ones that are coming out, it's going to be Shang-Chi. I still think they don't want They wouldn't want to put that on a streaming service. But that's the one where I can think where I like yeah. can see them putting it on there. Shang Chi yeah. is not. That's that's not one that. I mean, I haven't heard that much about it. Right, Black Widow yeah. has so I, much I hype going into it that it's not going to happen. I don't. Yet. I don't see Shang Chi being a huge one, but it, it. It also like it's not just the how big they are. It's like how the story unravels. Like maybe Black Widow leads. Like they have a post credit scene or a character that leads into Shang Chi or or one of the other movies. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's impossible to know. But uh, speaking of streaming services and stuff, um, you know, Netflix is is in a great position to to just keep churning out Oscar Oscar specific content. I guess is what I would call it. Where yeah, they um, are on a streak of hiring successful directors with great casts with a lot of money. Yeah, I think like Netflix. Uh, Netflix is like the well obviously I guess I guess obviously they're the first streaming service ever to win an academy award back I want to say 4 years ago for a documentary but mm. when like and that was back when like streaming services were not taken were not taken seriously at the prestige television and academy award movie level but like realistically when the academy awards are announced this year there is a good chance that up to the majority of nominees will be from streaming services and many of those will be from netflix yeah and i mean like i i think that's just further like i feel like netflix is actually just gonna get a ton of movies uh like especially like i i, I don't know if um uh like when when do festival movies usually come out it's around now right because they're going for the oscar push yeah, they usually come out like they'll usually have like a limited release in early December or and then like a wide release in January. And even then, the wide release is usually like a limited wide release because movie yeah. theaters have no confidence in them. 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, especially now, I think that Netflix, even if they don't, uh, they had, they didn't self-produce these movies, they're going to get a lot of, they're going to get their hands on a lot of uh, Oscar-worthy content uh, and start relationships with directors because, like, they can't release the movies in theaters. So, um, I, I feel like Amazon and Netflix are really just going to keep growing their their connections in the industry. And uh, probably, like, next year, we'll probably see them have more more influence than ever before in terms of mm-hmm. the awards so yeah it'll be interesting yeah speaking of uh speaking of netflix like we've already talked about a couple of movies that are almost guaranteed to get nominations at least this year that have been from netflix like we didn't we kind of had a stealth episode about it because it was our citizen kane episode but uh mank <laughs> is definitely yeah. be represented even though yeah yeah well it's hmm I don't know. What do you think of Netflix's awards movies? Because like they definitely have, you know, the money to make a quality movie over and over again. But at the same time, the movies we've gotten that are like actual awards contenders this year from Netflix are Mank. I'm thinking of ending things, uh, which is barely a serious awards contender. Uh, what do we got? Um, the Five Bloods, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. And there's more, but like those are the main four I can think of, and like uh, I'm 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 a little conflicted on almost all of them because they're none of them are bad movies, but like they're also I don't really know what to think of them. I don't know I don't know if I'm if that makes sense. I or just like not every all of these all the Netflix movies from these directors are just these directors completely out of control in terms of their style, you know and. Um, I, yeah, we did talk a bit about it in the Mank episode, but it's just, it, it's showing that, uh, like if, if you look at what that, from what I can tell, there's like three off the top of my head, three or four movies, uh, that from like really big auteur, like filmmakers, you had, you had the Irishman from Scorsese, you had, uh, Trial of the Chicago seven from Aaron Sorkin. You had the Mank, Mank from David Fincher. You had. Uh, the Five Bloods from Spike Lee. Um, I think there's one more. I can't. God. But either way, if you look at all four of these movies, they're insanely. They have so much of their like the their director's style and and kind of vision behind how they were made. Um, that like I really think it's it's at it's at their disadvantage because uh, you know like like for example, if you look at the Five Bloods, right? It's like Spike Lee's. Spike Lee's uh, um, social commentary slash abstract filmmaking, I guess, but taken to like the utter maximum. And yeah, um, the thing is, like, there's just no balance, right? To to satisfy um, box office goers to make money, so they they're just kind of let loose, and then they make whatever they want, um, and they don't have to care about really. They don't they don't really have to care about the results. They just have to make sure Netflix gets their product, um, and Netflix is happy, right? So. It, it cha- kind of changes the relationship. And therefore, I think the movies that are made are, are going to be very different as well. I think like Netflix, um, you know, Netflix has the money to throw at these directors and they basically let these directors do what they want. To me, it sounds like Netflix is half trying to enable and half trying to force auteur filmmaking. And uh, what I've sort of learned from 2020 through Netflix and uh, other Christopher Nolan related endeavors is that ne- not necessarily everyone needs to be in a, not, a, not necessarily everyone can pull off auteur filmmaking. 
all the time, um, I guess. Yeah. Well, it just, it takes a, honestly kind of takes a director with a big ego to want to be able to do that. Yeah. And the thing is too, that like just being a director with a big ego and a vision, sometimes your vision is not perfect. Like a lot of these movies, you know, when we saw Mank, my, one of my biggest, pro- well, not one of my biggest problems, but most of the problems I had with Mank, I figured probably could have been solved if David Fincher had had a team around him who was willing to, like, keep his ideas in check a little bit or, like, do a second pass of the script. Yeah, or, like, tell him making audio sound like shit on purpose isn't a good idea. Or more so. importantly, making audio sound like shit on purpose just to make it sound like shit. Like, there's a way to make audio <laughs> yeah. sound old without making it sound bad. Yeah, and the, that, that was not it. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. But uh, I guess today we're, we're kind of talking about a weird in-between movie where we have a sort of amazing director directing a what seems to be kind of oriented towards the Oscars. Uh, and can you tell us what that movie is? Yeah. Today we're going to talk about Hillbilly Elegy, which is almost like if Netflix is really trying to do auteur filmmaking or if they're really trying to force auteur filmmaking, this is a weird one because Ron Howard is at least how, at least the way that I know Ron Howard, who's the director of this movie, he is one of the all-time great studio directors. Like if you have an idea, if you if your studio is there and they've just acquired a script and you want this script to work out and you just want like a movie that's going to please the people that read the book and also just be generally good to watch uh, and no, and there's going to be no problems with uh, any notes that you give people. You hire Ron Howard and Ron Howard gets it done. His movie is like the movies he's made in the past have been, have all been good, but like a lot of them just kind of aren't special. And he's very good with working with studios. Mm -hmm. So it's weird that we get this movie that like, isn't really him working with a studio. This is kind of a Ron Howard production. And um, it's only weird. It, it's weird to think about because Ron Howard is not the kind of dude who makes Ron Howard productions, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, well, I don't really know what a Ron Howard movie is, you know, other than it's normal, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's the that's the hardest thing is I do think that Ron Howard has a specific style and I recognize that style, but I couldn't really describe it because like you said, it's just it's just normal. Like if you look at Solo, does that really feel like a Ron Howard movie? A little bit, but mostly it just feels like a normal movie that isn't doesn't have anything special about it. Yeah, other than like how it, it was weird because it, it was kind of Charlotte shot like pretending to be Zack Snyder or something. Or maybe not Zack Snyder, but it was, had very poor lighting, you know? Um, and it, it, it was like an odd kind of artistic uh, choice that didn't feel very Ron Howardy, but it was like the only thing that kind of felt unique about that movie was how dark it was for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But anyways, he, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess Netflix was hoping he, he could really deliver because it, it is a... It kind of is an odd sell. The movie's an odd sell in terms of like I, I personally don't see like this movie making money at the box office. 
Yeah, um, I and we're really being the, popular on streaming, I guess. Do you want to tell us what this movie's about? Uh sure, yeah. It's um it's called the Hillbilly Elegy. Elegy? Elegy. I think it's Elegy. Elegy. Um but yeah, so it's it's about kind it's about this uh potential he's a law student, I think, who just he failed the bar, right? But he's looking to get a job as a intern in the meantime. And um Did he fail the bar? Kind of, I just thought I he wasn't he, there. He either failed it or he didn't do that as well as he would have liked, right? I'm or something maybe. or I might be wrong there. Well, um, I, either way, he's anyway. he's looking for money, and basically, he's kind of he's kind of dealing with a situation where uh, he's kind of like his family's only hope to to support to make a lot of money. You know, they've invested a lot in him, um, and he has the potential to do great. But then he is drawn back home to uh, <laughs> wherever he's Ohio. is it Ohio, yeah, yeah. Ohio, and uh because of his mother who who's in the hospital she she overdosed um and so so basically the movie kind of follows this guy as he he goes back to take care of his mother while trying while trying to take take care of things in terms of getting a job at the same time uh and then we we throughout the movie we get flashbacks i guess to his childhood uh where we learn more about his life and his relationship with his mother and his grandmother uh both played by Amy Adams and Glenn Close, respectively. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think of the movie, Jeff? Um, I thought it was fine. I mean, you said a Ron Howard movie seems like a normal movie earlier, and, like, that's kind of how I would describe this. It's not really necessarily anything special. It felt um, like I was being told a story, and that story had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, and like that's that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, I I'm gonna say more. Obviously, I have more to say about individual parts of it. But like overall, I just thought it was good, but it wasn't really anything special. Yeah, I feel the same way. I guess I personally was kind of bored throughout it because like I thought the script was surprisingly like it wasn't bad. It was just really derivative and boring, which I guess could be. Uh, <laughs> could be considered bad. Um, but like it, I, I didn't feel like it was bringing anything new to the table because like it, it was, it's an underdog story. Right. And I, I think they're, they can be interesting, but I, despite, I guess the fact that it was leaning towards highlighting the, the state of living in the, the Midwest, I, I wasn't particularly interested in that aspect of life. Um, nor did I, I feel Ron Howard like gave me much to care about it. So well, so yeah. I uh, I just briefly read a piece of the Wikipedia article on this on on the book that this is based on, and apparently the book is like part of one of the main themes of the book is like contrast between uh, you know his life in a city with an Ivy League college and Appalachian values, and like I guess because. When when I'm watching this movie, when he's in Ohio, it is very different than when he's in wherever Yale is. Uh, is that New York? I don't remember. But anyway, it's very different. Like the areas are very different. But like I didn't get much of them. I didn't learn anything about morals in this movie. And the morals didn't really they weren't pronounced in a way where like I thought that was one of the themes. 
Basically, mm-hmm. I thought this movie was essentially about his mother's battle with drug addiction, which like, that's a fine story as it is. It's just sort of, it, it's not necessarily anything special. Like I've seen special stories about drug addiction and this was not necessarily one of them. Yeah, it's just like, it, it, Amy Adams, his character just continually, like every scene that was a flashback was basically, look how, look how fucked up the mother character is, you know? Like there wasn't, there wasn't really any redeeming factors. Um, so it, that, that's why like, I, I had trouble really caring about the character um, because she just honestly, it, she was basically just an abusive parent, right? Yeah, but I, like, the movie is trying to uh, put you in the shoes of the son, I guess, to, to care about her. But again, I don't understand why we should care about her because the movie doesn't give us any reason to. Yeah, I had some trouble with that, too, because clearly the movie wants you to kind of wants you to root for all of these characters. But it goes out of its way to portray Amy Adams character more often than not as just a bad person. And like, even when it's showing her in a scene where she's a bad person trying to get better, she's not serious enough about it to turn her life around in any meaningful way, even for like a day and a half. So Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why I should care about her. Right. Yeah. And then like, also the, I, I feel like it, it's saying it's okay because uh like they they one scene really stuck out to me it was really odd but there was a scene where uh amy adams uh no there's a flashback to to the mom's childhood where amy adams character was a child and you Mm -hmm. send like we get an explicit like uh narrative like narration of that scene where the where her daughter um is telling the audience basically that oh she mom is this way because her childhood was even worse and it's like okay that's fair but it's it's almost like it was like the movie was just telling me like you have to you have to think this is okay because she was abused as well therefore there's a reason for this um please relate to amy adams character which if that is what the movie is saying that's a bad lesson like, yeah, I'm just going to say this for all of our people that are listening. <laughs> if you are in an abuse, if, if if your relationship with people in your household is abusive, you don't have to put up with it just because their relationship when they were much younger with their household was also abusive. Hot take. Yeah, I so know it, it, it was just a really weird message, especially because like it wasn't said in like a subtle way. It was, it was just shoved in your face. And again, I don't think that would have been a terrible thing to have if it was, uh, if it was more subtle, but then also like there were other reasons for why I could believe that they, we should care about Amy Adams, you know? Um, but those never came up. So that's, uh, it's not creep. But then also the problem is Amy Adams is like kind of the center of the story too, in terms of, She's she feels like the main actress because she's the top build actress or act. Uh, she's the top build actor, I guess, in general. Um, yeah. And also, like, she's definitely the one with the most like focus slash, I guess, character arc, even though there isn't one. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, she's on the poster and every like the main character 
movie. I don't know his name or the actor's name because it seems like they chose an unknown guy. Which... Uh, he's not a complete unknown, but he's he's pretty close to being a complete unknown. Yeah, uh, but he wasn't he wasn't on the poster. Um, and other than Amy Adams, he kind of had to carry the movie. But it's kind of like they hired someone who was not that great at acting on purpose to balance it out or something or make it relatable because like, I mean, I don't think he's terrible or anything, but I didn't really care. He had no charisma, so I couldn't really, um, I didn't really fall in love with the character at all. And the, it just, the, the acting chops themselves were not good enough to carry a movie like this where, um, you know, the plot is pretty stagnant. So again, this is like a character piece. Um, yeah, I think it's a little weird because like his his story is officially the story that the movie is playing is, is like following. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, as you already said, Amy Adams is basically the center of this movie. Um, but I guess what bothers me about that is that Amy Adams, Amy Adams character, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't really have a character arc that goes anywhere. More important, like, I guess she has a character arc. More importantly, she doesn't have character progression. She starts out the beginning of the movie as a, basically as an abusive mom, and she ends the movie as the same thing. As so an like, abusive mom, yeah. Yeah, and there's plenty of stuff that happens in between. There is some individually great acting at work in between, but her character doesn't change much over the course of the movie. So if that character progression isn't there, why is she the heart of this movie? Because that basically just seems like the movie is wasting our time, which I mean, it isn't entirely, but like if I'm watching a movie about a character, I want something to happen. Yeah. Especially because uh, like, like there's no other character arc in the story. I think there's one, I, I guess his name's JD, right? The main yeah, guy. JD. So JD, like, he, he kind of has an arc, but the thing is, like, half the movie's flashbacks, right? Um, right. And we're, we're kind of, uh, I, I, I think part of what, I guess, the script was trying to do is make us interested. Oh, how did this young Ohio kid who was, uh, uh, had an abusive childhood grow up to be so successful, right? Um, but we also don't really get that story. Like, we get bits of it but for the most part it's just the son getting abused um and then we but then we also i don't really care how he how he got better because i can just kind of fill in the gaps if that makes sense right like uh i understand i understand if you go to university if you're going to university i think he's going to like i don't know i think it was like an ivy league school yeah it's yale it was yale yeah so you know he did good but i mean like the only way to do that is if he studied hard and I guess got his, got his shit together. So, and the movie has like maybe one scene that highlights that. And it shows that uh, Glenn Close's character, the grandmother was instrumental in making that happen, but there was just really no focus on that. Um, and also, yeah, I, I didn't care because I could easily just understand what you have to do to get into Yale, which is just work hard. So. And um, when it comes right I mean, down to it, we know that he worked hard to get into Yale because at the very end he says, I'm going to start working hard to get into Yale. And then he does it. So like, (laughs) if if that's, if that's all the character we needed to get him, you know, how he got from where he was to Yale, 
great. Just say that at the beginning and then we'll fill in the rest. Like you said. Yeah. So uh, it's just so much of it was derivative and kind of pointless. Even though like, I I kind of understand what they were going for. I feel like I've seen a movie like this before where they, they, they interweave back and forth between the past and the present. Um, But I, I also, I don't think it was really important for the, the narrative because I feel like in a, when you do a movie like that, each scene should kind of feed into the next, right? Like, Oh, you show this, you show this scene, this, uh, this flashback scene, because this leads into a scene that we get in the present where, uh, it, it kind of ties into what's happening in the present and we're getting that. Uh, but even that is just like, it's not really there. It feels like, it feels like everything's just kind of random and doesn't, uh, there's no there's no buildup between the scenes. It's just scene, 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 uh, abusive scene, uh, future scene, abusive scene. Like not much, not much reason to to end up doing it that way. Yeah. So I guess which is uh, unfortunate. I mean, kind of the long and short of what we're saying here is I don't think that this movie has a serious chance at a directing Oscar or a screenplay Oscar for that matter. I just don't think yeah. there's enough interesting stuff there. Yeah, like it all. I also want to say quickly, I guess the directing is was pretty meh. And it felt kind of cheap too. Uh, I don't know why, but like I think a lot of the camera, like lots of just over the shoulder cuts, the camera angles are pretty lazy. And uh, I don't know, just not nothing, nothing really looked that nice. I thought the music was kind of cheap. So I, I'd say like for an Oscar bait movie, it, it seems very clear that they were focused on getting Glenn Close and Amy Adams a couple nominations. Yeah. And I think like they're definitely worth talking about because Glenn Close and Amy Adams are not only the people on the poster, but easily the highlights of this movie, as far as I'm concerned, or at the very least, the most noticeable parts of this movie, if you don't agree. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I was I, I will say Glenn, whoever did the makeup for Glenn Close. I don't I don't usually know what she looks like because like I don't follow her other than I guess I saw her in Guardians of the Galaxy, but. She looked so similar to the grandma um, that they showed in the in the closing in the credits, right? Because this was based on a true story. They did a bang up job. Like I could not believe it. And honestly, like I had to look to find Glenn Close in there, and it's it's impressive makeup, and it's honestly not even that much. Like she's unrecognizable almost, and she looks like you said exactly like the grandma. Yeah, that was crazy. So hey, maybe maybe a makeup award. I don't know. Uh, sure. I, that'd be kind of cool but yeah so she I'd say Glenn Close um, I, I personally thought she was the better the better actor overall had, just because it was a much more nuanced performance yeah I was looking for the word to say that's exactly it her performance was very good very nuanced you like she felt like a real person um, mm-hmm. not that Amy Adams didn't but she was very it was a very high energy performance and like she was just kind of very crazy all the time, which worked with her character, but was like, it was a bit much. Yeah, I agree. It was especially just because it was such a focus of the movie and we kept coming back to it. It was just really tiring. And I I guess, despite the fact that, that like, I guess she pulled off, like pulled it off in terms of acting, right? The, there just wasn't any 
any depth to the acting. It was just like, oh, like I'm crazy. Uh, I didn't feel like I was really seeing any layers to the to the to the performance or. Um, I think. And, sorry, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. I think ultimately. You know, we already said this, but I think well, we already said that like the character arc was sort of lacking for Amy Adams's character. And to be honest, I think that the acting detracted from it a little bit, or or maybe even a lot, because any individual scene of Amy Adams is at, at least fine. Some of them are like actually spectacular. Some of them are clearly chewing the scenery. But like any individual scene is fine. But what it is is it's like her being crazy like over and over and over again and that's in every scene so because she's always hitting that performance like if there is a character arc there you don't get it because all of her scenes are her in the exact same temperament as in the last scene or i guess her character is sort of implied potentially to be bipolar um so like sometimes she's happy mom and then she'll go immediately to uh, very upsetting. Um, and like, you have that so much that it detracts from any character arc there could be. Where with Glenn Close, like, her character actually has character progression throughout the whole thing because the performance is much more reserved and nuanced and like, doesn't try to be dialed up to 10 all the time. Yeah, I, I think her, I think it just helped me like I I I kind of like the grandma character just because there was I guess a lot of different sides to it you know mm-hmm. um and I loved how like in the tough scenes you know like like when she's kind of a dick right and she says it like yeah I'm a dick but it's like you kind of feel the the warmth from it almost and also kind of the regret of like like what what have I done to my daughter in a way yeah so. There's there was there was some really cool stuff I think Glenn Close was able to fit in I guess with hers um, I which is I it, it's kind of too bad because I think it could really have pulled off like there's a scene where her and uh, JD it's like the only scene in the movie where they actually get along and uh, she's she's very warm and like very motherly and uh, just like she seems like a cool person you know like like very likable so. It's it's too bad because I I feel like she could have maybe added some more warmth to the scenes where she's struggling with her addiction or or being abusive because uh, I mean maybe it's because she's like you said she was bipolar right they pointed that out in the movie I don't think it's explicitly stated but I'm oh, okay. pretty sure she's bipolar in this movie <laughs> yeah so like maybe they were trying to show like how how much it can change someone when you when they hit their highs and their lows but uh either way it didn't like i just like i would have liked if she was like when she was going crazy or when she was just being really angry or something like to have seen like like the person the the person she truly is inside like still there but just like having trouble showing itself you know i don't know how you act that way but well i feel like close was able to do that yeah, because when Glenn Close was mean, you understood why to some degree, and you didn't have to necessarily like agree with anything that she was doing, but like you got it. And when when Amy Adams was being mean, it just seemed like she was a bad person. Mm-hmm. Even though like I think the movie was 
like there were scenes where I think they were they're trying to point out that she she has like she she has like a good side to her, right? Yeah. Um, like you know she she's a she's a nurse and uh, like we see a couple scenes when she is a nurse and um, before she's she's addicted or whatever and she seems to be like pretty decent at her job really. I mean she worked at that hospital for for 12 years or whatever like and she we saw one scene where she gets along with her patients so she knows how to talk to people and stuff so i feel like and especially with how how much jd was striving to take care of her it felt like there was this uh like the mother has there's something we're missing right but it never it never comes up which is too bad because that i think it just kind of goes back and forth between or it expects us to believe that she has a good side to her, but we just never get to see it. Yeah, that good side to her is always told uh, is always told to us, but it's very rarely shown. It is shown, mm-hmm. and Amy Adams acts it very well when it happens, but like, there's not enough of it. And a lot of the time, it's like, well, you know, they'll say things like, "Why do you want to even stick around and help her out? Like, why do you keep doing this to yourself?" It's like she's family. We love her. Don't you remember this time? And it's like, well we don't remember this time because we're the audience. Like we don't know why Amy Adams isn't a lost cause at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like, and don't tell us she's good. Show us like, this is a movie. This words don't matter as much as what you can show us. Yeah. Or else it would be a book. And the thing is like, there's enough. Amy Adams is able to show us that her character is a good person. She just doesn't have that many scenes to do it. Mm-hmm. And the scenes that she does have are like in the grand scheme of things, not things that end up meaning that much. Like she has one good day with JD. Great. And then it ends in tragedy. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess like, it wasn't that good of a day then, was it? It was a really bad tragedy. <laughs> like it wasn't yeah. like it was it wasn't like, oh, and then they got into a fight later. It was like she was like chasing him around town trying to like beat him basically uh, yeah so it's you know there there just wasn't any balance and uh i think it's unfortunate because I, I obviously i believe amy adams uh, is an amazing actress and i think she was expecting to get some recognition for this role probably but um probably sh- i'm guessing she won't just because it it it's not there and this movie in general isn't good enough to warrant a nomination but you never know i mean the academy loves amy so i do think it's it's possible i actually do think it's very possible for both glenn close and amy adams to get nominated for this movie i would personally think it would be a shame if this is the movie that amy wins for instead of like any of the other great movies she's been in oh she not one yeah she has not yet won. Wow, okay, that's crazy. But like, I, I think she has a good shot, as does Glenn Close with this movie, because this movie is going to be at the very least one that Academy Award voters have seen. <laughs> so like, yeah. there's that. Yeah, also, I, I guess I forgot this year isn't, uh, hasn't been a great year for movies in general. So I can't, and I also, I can't think of any any other actresses uh, off the top of my head other than uh, what's her name from Invisible Man, for sure. So you cut out, what was? Oh, Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see in the future what happens. 
Yeah, I think, uh, do you have anything else to say about this movie? Because I think, uh, I think it might be about time to, uh, yeah, I agree. I was, I, was, I was maybe going to say something around Howard, but honestly, I have nothing to say around Howard is, uh, you know, he, he does not, did not really put any of himself into this movie. Or if he did, I certainly couldn't recognize it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, um, what, what would you uh, give this movie, Jeff? If you were to read it, I mean, I guess I'd probably say like a five. I don't think it's. I don't think I'm gonna see it again. So I kind of am like, I don't. I was a little bored with it to begin with, so I want to actually put it lower. But Glenn Close and Amy Adams, I both thought did a phenomenal job, even if it wasn't like perfect necessarily. And so, like that keeps it, that keeps it at an average for me instead of calling this movie bad. Mm. I'll probably give it a three. Like Glenn Close's performance was not good enough to save this movie. Uh, the only reason I think I give it a two, but I see in the end where he uh, he's talking to his girlfriend and he says he's going to be an hour late, and then it turns out he's outside the door. I thought that was such a sweet scene. Um, yeah, that bumps it up a full mark to me. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I also i I thought it would have been funny if like uh, she never she never got up and like didn't do anything. She's like, okay, I'll go tell them, and then she just stayed at home. It would have been so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I thought that was a sweet scene. And honestly, actually, I just want to say quickly the chemistry. They had pretty good chemistry between the two. Uh, I guess love interest characters, technically. And um, I don't know, I, th- I thought it was like a sweet look at uh, the only, I guess, mature relationship in the entire movie. So it was a nice breath of fresh air, I guess, even though it, it really isn't anything special. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, uh, so, what are we going to talk about next time, I guess? Well, so now we've talked about a current movie that's prop that, that could get Oscar nominations and like. I don't know if it will. I, I think it does. I think it is a real contender in a few categories, basically the acting categories. But uh, mm. this is not necessarily a strong contender in, for very much. We're not. This was not a best picture nominee. I I can tell you that already. I really hope but it's like, not. <laughs> but uh, I do think this also like part of the reason that I want that I wanted to talk about this movie was like I do think this sort of does fit into the the category of like when we've been looking at movies that are oscar bait like this is this is the kind of thing that feels like it is engineered for the for the academy award voting audience to to win an oscar i don't know that it is but like it has to me all the elements that make up that kind of a movie right um and i don't think it necessarily worked out but i guess we'll see when the nominations are finally announced but uh, I think next next time uh, we talked about this and we're going to go for a movie that was also it. I mean, from I have not seen this movie, but from everything I've heard, it was like specifically constructed to get Oscars and it did really well. Uh, we're going to talk about a movie from I think it's 2005, which is an extremely notable year with the Oscars. Uh, if I'm getting that, if I'm getting that right. It, uh, this movie is Crash. It's, uh, it cleaned up. It's a legendary movie in terms of what it did. I am actually looking at the year right now. I don't recognize any of these movies except for Brokeback Mountain. Um, But Crash was specifically 
legendary for uh, not being Brokeback Mountain and still winning. Yeah, because I've heard Brokeback Mountain's a very good movie. So it's a. Uh, I'll be interested, I guess, to see the movie that beat it. Um, even though I haven't seen Brokeback Mountain um, or any of the, I kind of, I kind of wish. Maybe I'll try to see these other movies before for that week, so I can maybe, maybe understand why it was. But I don't. We'll see. We'll see. I guess. Yeah, I'll at least try and watch Brokeback Mountain before this, so that we can do a dual episode on Crash and Brokeback Mountain, basically. <laughs> yeah. Hey, cool. All right. Well, well see we'll see you for Crash. Yeah. What's the last word, Jeff? Uh, it's Crash. <laughs>